Now, as we turn 8.47 this morning, let's have a look at a couple of issues. First of all, North Korea's nuclear weapons, and it uh, relates quite closely, I suppose, to our second topic of Rex Tillerson's sudden departure. Andrew Jong, reporter for the Wall Street Journal, joins us um, really to discuss two issues that are of very direct interest to you as well. Andrew, good morning to you. Morning, Alex. So... The North Korean problem, is it easing? Is it becoming ever more complex? Is there a trap lying in wait? Uh, So many different questions have been asked from different political circles. And from the Conservatives who've been most cautious, I guess maybe some confusion, Andrew, when, since we last heard from you, the US turned around and showed willingness to have a direct summit with Kim Jong-un. Right, and... I just want to point out that uh, here in Seoul, uh, the pessimists um, outweigh or outnumber uh, the optimists viewing this situation, the recent, I guess, uh, development in talks between the North and South, which doesn't mean, however, that the talks are doomed or the talks are bound to fail. But I do want to say that a lot of the North Korean watchers uh, have have seen this before. Uh, they've, they've actually been witnesses to... Uh, much more dramatic uh, developments within North Korea as regards to its uh, uh, willingness to consider dismantling its nuclear weapons. So I just want to point out before we continue discussing again... Yeah, so you're saying that... I mean, you're not done a survey of general public opinion, but you're saying that among the leading North Korea analysts portrayed in the media and, and elsewhere, that they are overall pessimistic about the outcome of these talks that are coming up. And is that does that include the inter-Korean summit and the Trump talks, or or just the whole thing? Uh, the whole the whole picture, the larger picture, is I guess what the focus is. Uh, as when we ask, uh, are these people uh, being pessimistic or optimistic? Um, uh, just jumping to the pessimists. Uh, first off, uh, a lot of the former negotiators who've uh, who sat in the room actually face to face with these North Korean negotiators um, are largely uh, pessimistic. Uh, one of the points that they point to is that the North has already invested too much in its nuclear weapons program, um, despite again the, the promises of denuclearization from Pyongyang. Um, one negotiator I spoke to uh, was a former one-star general in the South Korean military. Uh, he was a uh, he was one of the officials that sat in the talks in the 2000s with North Korea in multiple military talks. And he's actually one of the officials that sat down with Ri Sun-gwan, uh, the, one of the North Korean officials that came over uh, during the Olympics to the South. And he points out that the North has never really followed through uh, in its promises uh, a decade ago to, uh, to consider uh, dismantling its nuclear weapons. And he points out, again, that the North has invested too much, and it just doesn't make sense uh, f- from a common-sense point of view for the North Korean to just, just throw it away in such a short period when they've actually just put the regimes, as, you know, everything, uh, on the nuclear weapons. Um, and moving on, uh, the second point that I wanted to mention from the pessimist uh, camp is uh, the, what we think the definition of denuclearization is, I guess, pretty, pretty straightforward. And the problem here is that the North Koreans' definition of denuclearization may be different uh, from how we interpret it uh, in Seoul and Tokyo and Washington. Um, uh, our definition is, I guess, pretty straightforward. North Koreans uh, have to abandon or consider abandoning 
uh, their nuclear weapons. But at a lot and of verifiably the, so as well. Right. The, the whole CVID argument, uh, complete verifiable um, denuclearization. But uh, the, the North Koreans' definition of that term may be quite different uh, from what we might expect uh, from a layman's perspective. And this is coming not only from the conservative uh, camp, who are, who are, I guess, the most pessimistic about the, camp, about the coming talks, but this, also, this is also coming out from uh, some of the, I guess, the more, uh, I guess, pro-talk people, um, including uh, Evan Mendero from the, uh, the Obama administration. He was one of the, uh, uh, the, the negotiators from that uh, U.S. administration. He points out that the North Korean definition of denuclearization uh, could be uh, that the North Koreans want the U.S. not only out of South Korea, they want the alliance with South Korea over. Uh, they want a lot of the strategic assets in the region, uh, including Korea, Japan, and the Asia-Pacific, uh, removed in exchange for the North Koreans uh, abandoning uh, the nuclear weapon. So what the North Koreans might expect of the U.S. may not be acceptable uh, in the current geopolitical status uh, quo. Yeah. So, well, that is, this, I'm sure, I, I, the leading cause of pessimism here that the the demands of North Korea and the U.S. the I, I mean, it, it's just the idea that if they suddenly turn around and say, "Okay, fine," it's like, "Okay, great," but what on earth have the last few decades been all about? Then why, you know, why why now? And and then some people have also been asking that question, haven't they, Andrew? Why now? Is it is it because of President Trump's pressure, um, or right, or is it more to do with South Korea's talking behind the scenes, or some combination of those? Right, and I guess we would want to jump to the optimists' uh, camp of the talks, and these people do acknowledge that North Korea is is trying to. Well, the the, the old rumors and the old speculation that the North Koreans are trying to buy time to complete their nuclear weapons program. I think uh, a lot of the optimists have been pointing out have been pointing out that North Korea's tactic always includes uh, plans to buy time, and in that sense, they're trying to ease sanctions by. Uh, engaging in talks with the U.S., and they have a lot of incentives to actually engage in a productive and constructive uh, talking uh, uh, method with the U.S. and South Korea. So these people are saying the North Koreans will not be like the North Koreans from 10 years ago uh, when they uh, dragged their feet, when they were not, I guess, uh, coming to talks with a clear intention. Um, Another point that the optimists uh, point out is that the North Koreans are being very much uh, practical, and they're being m- much more straightforward uh, about talks uh, with Seoul and Washington. And this is, I guess, largely because the North Koreans now have, now have, or are closer, or very close to having uh, nuclear weapons that can strike the continental United States. And this, this, and because of this, the North Koreans are not uh, playing games. They're not. They're not delaying time. They're not uh, just just sitting there for the sake of sitting there. Is what these optimists say, and these optimists also, you know, obviously include uh, some of the key members of the previous uh, liberal uh, administrations in South Korea, which include uh, current lawmakers like Tung Dong Young, uh, former Unification Minister uh, Lee Jong Suk. So a lot of these, I guess, former Romney Hun uh, and Kim Dae administration officials are are being optimistic that. Okay, Andrew. Because yeah. we're, cause we're all almost out of time, I mean, just to sum that up, it kind of depends whether you're looking at North Korea as being scared into talks or whether they feel emboldened to hold talks, whether you're optimistic or pessimistic about how they're going to go. 
Let's finish, though, with the Tillerson change, very much related to what we've been discussing. Rex Tillerson out, Mike Pompeo in as Secretary of State. Pompeo um, possibly seen as more hawkish. Does that have a big impact now? Right. I I want to jump to the last question. Is this good for Seoul? And does this ultimately mean that things are going to turn for the better? Um, I I spoke to one of the uh, former Im Young-bak administration officials here in South Korea, and he said... Uh, that this is actually good for Seoul because uh, Tillerson didn't always get along with uh, President Trump. And uh, having someone like that is, is not good for an ally like Seoul because there are obviously communication problems. The South Koreans uh, cannot rely on this uh, Secretary of State that's not, uh, that doesn't necessarily represent what Trump thinks. So in that sense, uh, having someone who is closer to Trump and who shares much more of what the president is thinking uh, bodes well for efficiency of communication. On the and- on the other hand, Andrew, having someone who who doesn't uh, question whether a military option is a good idea is worrying, perhaps. Right. And I'm not saying uh, Mike however- Pompeo would be in that category, but we know that Rex Tillerson could be seen sometimes as a dissenting voice. We are out of time, Andrew, as I said, but it's always good to have you on the line. It's great to hear your thoughts on these very relevant topics as they continue to build going into well April and then May. Um, we, we look forward to catching up with you again. Thank you, Alex.